chapter seventeen of hope and have fanny grant among the indians by oliver optic this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter seventeen the night attack fanny sang sweet home to the young indian with the feeling that there was no longer a spot on earth which she could call by that endearing name by this time mr grant with bertha and fanny were in europe and it would be months before she could see them again her uncle had probably been killed by the war party of lean bear while returning to his home as the possession of his horses by the indians indicated her aunt lay mangled and unburied near the house which had been her happy home the settlement was doubtless broken up and deserted for all who had not been killed or captured by the indians must have fled to the woods and the prairies for safety the feeling of loneliness in fanny gave to her song a touching pathos which with the sad sweetness of the melody itself made the great tears roll down the bronzed cheeks of ethan and touched the heart of even the young savage wahina looked long and earnestly at fanny when he had finished his breakfast the music pleased him and its charms literally soothed his savage breast she sang other songs and he began to make friendly demonstrations towards her which ended in the offer of his hand she accepted the preferred token of friendship wahina spoke to her but of course she could not understand a word of his language he made signs using the earnest gestures peculiar to the indians he shook his head pointed to her and then to the shore of the lake in the direction of the settlement she thought he meant to say that he would not permit his father to injure her but she was not very sure the young savage was certainly disposed to be her friend and manifested his interest in her by all the means within his power well fanny it's about time for me to go to work said ethan after he had observed the demonstrations between her and wahina for a time what are you going to do ethan i thought you had no work plenty of it i reckon tain't no use to groan over what can't be helped we might as well make the best of of course we will not complain of what we cannot help ethan do you know what my motto is your what asked ethan with a vacant stare my motto that's something in latin or some outlandish lingo ain't it mine is in plain english i've hearn tell of some latin stuff they call a motto out in illinois i forget what it was now hope and have is my motto what does that mean tain't latin but it might as well be it means hope for the best and then you will work the harder to have it that just fits my case the motto was given me by a very good girl in new york who was dying of consumption they were the last words she spoke and they were engraved on her tombstone i will tell you the whole story about her some time i should like to hear it first-rate but i reckon we've got something else to do just now i hope we shall have something like a house for you to sleep in to-night hoping alone will not build the house ethan besides we don't hope much for that which we are not willing to work for i know that and i'm going to work on the house right now replied ethan as he rose from the ground and took his shovel i will help you for i hope we shall have a house to keep us out of the wet if it should happen to rain you are nothing but a gal 
said Ethan, rather contemptuously. But I can help you. How shall you build a house? Well, I don't quite know. I can help you think, if nothing more, Ethan. So you can, Fanny. You are right down smart. I don't know as we should ever have got over to the island if it hadn't been for you. Do you think we could get the boat out of the water, Ethan? I reckon we could, replied Ethan, rubbing his head to stimulate his ideas. I can cut some rollers and kind of pry it along. Fanny minutely detailed her plan for a house, which after much explanation was adopted. As soon as Ethan comprehended her idea, he became very enthusiastic for its execution. I reckon we must tie up the young engine afore we go to work, said he, taking the cord and moving towards Wahina. The little savage looked appealingly at Fanny, placed his hand upon his breast, shook his head violently, and frequently pointed to the shore of the lake. She interpreted his signs to mean that he would not attempt to escape, and she so informed Ethan. "'I doesn't trust him,' said he. "'He can't get away if he tries,' replied Fanny. "'But he may take one of the guns and kill one of us.' "'Put all the weapons out of the way, then, and I will keep watch of him,' added Fanny, who wished to conciliate Wahina. Ethan consented, and climbing the tree with his axe, he commenced cutting off the large branches which were to be used in the construction of the house. The plan, which Fanny had devised, was a very simple one. The slope of the land on the island was about four feet to a rod. The bateau was to be rolled up the acclivity about thirty feet, and turned bottom upward. The lower end was then to be gradually pried up until it was level with the upper end leaving a space of four feet under the higher part. Stakes were to be set in the ground under the gunwale to support the boat, and form the sides of the house. The smaller branches of the tree were to be interlaced in the stakes, beginning at the bottom, and the sods and the dirt thrown from the inside against this network, leaving the ground level under the roof. The bateau was sixteen feet long and five feet wide and the most difficult part of the work was getting it out of the water and moving it up the hill. Ethan and Fanny worked as hard as they could till sundown with rollers and levers. When they had the boat in position and the end elevated to the required level, Wahina showed his gratitude for the freedom granted to him by assisting in the labor, and made himself very useful. After the party had taken their suppers, Ethan made a bed of the blankets and quilts for Fanny under the boat, covering the open sides with the sail and a coverlet. "'Where are you going to sleep, Ethan?' she asked. "'I ain't going to sleep no war,' replied he. "'You are not going to stay up all night.' "'That's just what I'm going to do.' "'What for?' "'Suppose them engines should come over the night.' "'I thought you said they could not get over here.' "'I reckon they can if I keep my eyes open.' "'But you must sleep. "'If I do, I must do my sleeping in the daytime.' If we should all go to sleep here, we might wake up in the morning and find our throats cut. Tain't safe no how. You have worked hard today, Ethan, and you must be very tired. I am kinder tired. We will take turns keeping watch, as they do on board a ship. I don't know nothing about a ship. I will keep watch the first half of the night, and you may the other half. Suppose the engine should come. What will you do then? I can call you. Well, Fanny, if you ain't very tired, I agree to it, for I feel just as if I should go to sleep now. 
i am not so tired as i have been and not so tired as you are i will take the first watch but do you really think the indians will come to the island i hope not but they might how do you expect them to come i don't know but i shouldn't wonder if lean bear sent some of his redskins over after that boy fanny did not see how the savages could reach them at this distance from the mainland but she agreed with ethan that it would be better to keep watch and be on the safe side wahina's hands were tied together and he was bound to one of the posts under the boat in such a manner that he could lie down and sleep comfortably ethan stretched himself on the bed he had prepared for his companion and was soon asleep fanny seated herself under the tree at the top of the hill it was not yet dark and she had a full view of the water on every side until a later hour there was no possibility of a hostile approach by the indians and she gave herself up to the melancholy reflections excited by the tragic events of the day though a great many thoughts passed through her mind there was only one which it is important to record here and that was the feeling that she was better prepared for the bitter experience upon which she had now entered than she would have been a few months before if her friends knew that she was a changed being the fact was still more evident to her own consciousness a religious faith and hope had sustained her in those terrible hours when the shrieks of the mangled and the cries of the dying had pierced her heart and when torture and death stared her full in the face ethan in his own quaint terms had confessed that her prayers and her unwavering trust in god had awed him and solemnized his mind thus raising him to a level with the momentous issues he was to meet she felt that her prayers for herself and the brave prairie boy had been answered not only in their effect upon themselves but more directly in the turning aside of the knife which had been pointed at their hearts renewedly she thanked god for his goodness and renewedly as she thought of the dying jenny she felt that to hope was to have thus thinking of the past thus hoping and praying for the future the darkness gathered upon her and with her mind thus illuminated by divine wisdom the words of the psalmist seemed to be literally verified and even the darkness became light about her as the shades of evening deepened over her cutting off her view of the distant shores of the lake she felt the necessity of a more vigilant watchfulness hour after hour wore heavily away and still ethan slept fanny had no idea of the time of night and could not tell whether or not it was time to call her companion she knew how hard he had worked during the day and she resolved not to call him as long as she could keep awake herself her position was by the tree but in order to rouse her torpid faculties she took a walk around the island when she reached the side of their narrow domain where they had landed in the morning she was startled by what she thought was a slight splashing in the water at a considerable distance from her after the manner of the indians she lay down upon the ground and placed her ear near the surface of the lake listening with trembling interest for any sounds which might be borne over the still waters this expedient satisfied her that she had not been mistaken in the sound she distinctly heard the light dip of a paddle in the water worked with the utmost caution 
she was almost paralyzed with terror at the thought of a night visit from the savages and dreaded the sharp crack of the rifle and the flashing of the knife she strained her eyes to discover any object on the water but she could see nothing she hastened to the house and roused ethan i'm comin said he only half awake and turned over to finish his nap ethan ethan gasped fanny shaking him with all her might the indians are almost upon us if she had said indians before it would have awakened him in a moment he sprang to his feet and rushed out of the house what's the matter he demanded the indians are coming at least some one is coming for i heard a paddle on the lake the pesky sarpents i was afeard they'd come war they be they are coming from the settlement con sarnum added ethan as he grasped his two guns and ran down to the shore he listened and soon satisfied himself that fanny's fears were not groundless he sent his companion for the revolver and proceeded with great coolness and self-possession to make his preparations for repelling the assault for he had no doubt that one was intended it was a full hour an hour of the most intense anxiety and suspense to the young exiles before they discovered the wily foe stealthily approaching their retreat a little later they could see enough to determine that the assailants consisted of four indians on a raft two of them on their knees were paddling the unwieldy craft and the others appeared to be gazing at the island ethan had made a rest for the rifle of a crotched stick for the piece was too heavy for him to hold up to his shoulder he took careful aim at the group of dark forms on the raft and fired End of chapter 17 recording by scarlet louisiana